Thanks for joining us here at Faith Assembly for our weekly podcast. We're so excited you're tuning in this week. To learn more about our church, you can visit us online at myfaithassembly.org. Join us live or connect with us on Facebook. Come on, it's hard not to know that you've got victory today. Come on, let's do something with the victory that God has given us. Amen? In Jesus' name, it is good to see you in church. Welcome. I just want to mention, in case you're wondering and concerned, you know, how's this going to work? We have an 815 and we have a 1145 service. And so uh, if you're not comfortable with the crowd, we've got some other services. But we're so glad you're here. And uh, I'm, uh, I, I, I know and we believe that God is moving in our county and doing a work Uh, Not only here, but across the churches in Fayette County, but we are so glad you are here. Just tell somebody beside you, tell them, I'm so glad to sit with you today. So glad to sit with you today. And if some of you didn't have a choice, you got stuck beside them. Uh, (laughs) Hebrews chapter 5, we are, uh, as we've already mentioned, wrapping up today our 21 days of prayer and fasting and um, just uh, also bringing together our first, uh, the end of our first series of the new year. Uh, it's, uh, the new series for the, the new year in 2023, Pure Fire, and uh, wrapping that up today and next week, uh, kicking off a series uh, called the On Display and just believing for the, uh, God's word to be confirmed with signs and wonders. That's his, his word. We don't chase those, but how many know that as we pursue God, that just naturally occurs. It's the power of God, the presence of God, uh, and the work of God. Uh, but I want to wrap this up today, uh, Pure Fire, um, really with a, a challenge. And uh, we've been looking at the, the fire that is represented scripture. We, we take our theme verse, and really the verse that is our call for 2023, Leviticus chapter 10 verse 3 says that I will display my holiness on those who come near me. I will display my glory before all people. And our desire and prayer is, God, let your glory be on display in our lives. Let our lives of holiness unto you be a display of your glory. Now, we know in the context, Nadab and Abihu, who are the sons, uh, who are part of priests in this scripture, they brought to God an unholy fire, an unauthorized or unpure fire. But when we come to God with a pure fire, it transforms and it displays God's glory. And this is our prayer. It's like the blacksmith's coal, that, that the coal that is in the fire has the ability to to produce a flame and to produce a heat that changes even the condition of metal. That metal placed in that fire can then be shaped and and forged and molded and placed into into a completely different condition. The condition is changed and it can even be produced with an edge. That there can be an edge brought to a solid piece of metal that can be shaped and formed to a sword to ability to cut. I want to talk today about being made with an edge, that God has made you and I in Christ to live with an edge, that we are in the fire's fire, and the the refiner's fire, the fire of God, that the pure fire of God will cause us to live our lives on edge, not on edge in being an emotional wreck or anxiety ridden, but to be on edge of stepping in. When you live on the edge, when you walk into the edge, it's in the transition. It's in sometimes the place of, of un- discomfort because we're moving from one thing into the next. I, I believe that God is transitioning us from where we've been into what he has for us, that we would have this encounter and we would live life with an edge. How many want a life with edge to live 
on the edge. I want to talk about that today. Hebrews chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, let's look at this. And uh, would you stand with me as we look at God's word together? Here's what it says to the audience who are Jewish Christians. They were Jews converted to follow Jesus. And uh, they're in a place that uh, the, the writer... Uh, we don't know exactly who it is. Some believe it's Paul. I would like to say it's Paul, but we don't know exactly who wrote Hebrews. But the, the writer is admonishing them uh, to not fade away or not to weaken in their walk with Jesus and not to revert back to their Jewish practices uh, because Judaism is, a, is the starting point of knowing Jesus or, or the Jesus came from, but you aren't saved because you're Jewish. You're saved because you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he's encouraging them not to fall away from there. He says in verse 11, there is much more that we would like to say to you about this. This being the high priest of Christ, who he is. He's the high priest from the line of Melchizedek. He's, he's talking about that and he's giving them all the, the information about that. He says there's much more that we want to say, but it's difficult to explain, especially since you are spiritually dull and don't seem to listen. You have been believers so long now that you ought to be teaching others. Instead, you need someone to teach you again the basic things about God's word. You are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. For someone who lives on milk is still an infant and doesn't know how to do what is right. Solid food is for those who are mature, who through training have the skill to recognize the difference between right and wrong. Chapter 6, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on. Somebody say go on. Let us go on. He says let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. Surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. And so, God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. I pray that we would be people who move further into greater understanding, that we would go from glory to glory, not from issue to issue, that we would not just come to God on a needs base, but we would come because he has called us. And because he's called us, he has set us apart to be a part of his work on the earth in Jesus' name. How many believe that today? Father, I pray that you would cause your church to be on edge. God, I pray that, that you would cause us to, to, to have an edge about us, that, Lord, we would step in, Lord, into what you've called us to and what you have for us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Give us ears to hear. Let it not be dull. Let our ears not be dull, but let us be attentive and receive what your word is saying and what your spirit is doing. In Jesus' name we pray. If you agree with that today, would you say amen? Poke your neighbor and tell them you're edgy, and you may be seated. You're edgy. Now, before you get offended, it doesn't mean what you might think. You're edgy. Here, here's, the, here's the context I'm going to come from is this edgy is being innovative, creative, and walking into new, new opportunities. That we would live on edge, moving into the new things, the edge of where we've been, walking into the new things that God has for us. Listen to this this morning. The condition God found you in is not the condition you're permitted to remain in. 
The condition that God found you in is not the condition that you're permitted to remain in. That when we are in Christ, there is a process of change. To encounter God and not be changed is to have mistaken an emotional reaction as being God or to be a one who is operating in rebellion. To experience the presence of God and not be changed, you're either a sensationalist or you're a rebel. Neither of those are appropriate to God. Neither of those will work in the presence of God. The only way to come to him is a life that is changed and transformed and it's by faith we come by faith but the moment we step into faith we begin a process of being remade and renewed and reformed that God is putting an edge on us he's calling us and giving us the ability to live with a sharpness in our life that our sharpness that we would move forward the writer of Hebrews says that there's much more that he wants to say to them there's more that he wants to tell them about the high priest that is in Christ and how he's made so much possible he's so excited but he has to stop in telling them because he says, everything I have to say to you is exciting, but you're not able to hear it. You know what it's like when you try to explain to somebody the opportunity for a team when it used to be the Steelers had a chance to get into the, into the, the playoffs? I'm not dogging them. I'm a fan. But how many know we were explaining? Anybody else in this category where you were telling people all we have to do, if we win this game and if the Dolphins lose and if the Jets, all of these things we put together and we're explaining all that. We've got it all figured out. This needs to happen. That needs to happen. How many knew the breakdown? You knew what needed to happen. You were watching the team. Where, where are you? You were watching to see if everything happened just like it was supposed to happen. And you're explaining it. It's no fun when you're in the office and you're saying to a group, of people, you're like, and then if this team loses and this happens, and Michonne just sits there and says, uh-huh, okay. <laughs> like, I'm all excited. Like, they have a shot. Like, the Steelers have a chance, and I'm telling her the whole way and telling the office how it could be, and there's only a few of us in there like, they get it, and the rest are like, oh. Not only do I, they not get it, but in all reality, how many know they don't care? <laughs> they don't care. And this is the writer of Hebrews. He's like, and all that needs, all you need to know is that he is the high priest. And then you had this high priest, but he's even higher than that one. He has fulfilled everything, everything you've longed for when you worshiped as a Jew, what you desired. It came in Christ. And they're like, he's like, wait, I got to stop. He said, there's so much I want to say to you and there's so much I want to explain. And it's not because you can't understand it. It's because you're in a condition of dullness and you're dull and you don't really care. You're not really engaged. You're not on edge. You're not in that place of, of, of hunger and waiting. He's telling them to understand the significance of Christ, but they, they're, in a, they're in a place that, that it's dull. You've heard this said that it is, it is more dangerous to operate with a dull knife than a sharp knife. It's more dangerous if you operate with a dull knife. If you have a dull knife, you, you, the person who is operating that knife has to put so much work into it. And because there's so much work, it becomes dangerous that it could press through and, and injure. But if you have a sharp knife, the knife will do the cutting for you. The knife will do the work. He's saying to these Jewish Christians, don't revert back to your religion, to your Judaism, because that's a dullness. Let the gospel, which is sharp, it's not your works, it's the gospel, which is the power of God, 
unto salvation. Live on edge. Stay sharp because God will allow you to cut through the devices, the work of the enemy, that you don't have to be ignorant. It's like going into a jungle and trying to get through. And how many know somebody can say, well, I tried to make it, but there's too many vines, too many thickets, too much stuff. But the person who's got a knife, a person who's got a machete, they've got a sharp blade. How many know they might see obstacle, but they can operate with the tools and the resources and they're living on an edge and able to cut through and move forward and advance. I want to say to you and I, God has given us a sharpness and a tool and ability. We are refined in the fire. He's made us with an edge that we need to keep on moving, keep on pressing on. Don't get comfortable in the state you're in. Press on and move forward. Move forward into what God has, what it is that God is desiring. These Jewish Christians, they they become dull because they're reverting to their traditions. They lost their edge. They're they're the Jewish Christians that, that are pursuing Christ. They heard the gospel, and they came alive in Christ, but now they're at a place that they become dull. Notice it says you became or you become. It's not, it's not that you've always been. You had a, 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 a leaning in and you were, you were pursuing the things of Christ, but then you became dull. Here's the reason they became dull, because they allowed things to become common. Another way of saying it is this, that they became acceptable to culture. They became acceptable to culture because they found that in their culture as Jews, they knew that they were welcome because they did all the stuff that Jews did. I mean, they had sacrifice, not sacrifices, but they had ceremonial clean, uh, washing. They were doing the things that Jews would do, going to, 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 to the, the tabernacle, doing worship. But they had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so they were living on, in that part, doing something altogether different. And how many know living on the edge can be uncomfortable? Living on the edge makes you stand out a little bit. Do you know what holiness means? To be set apart. Guess what? When you're set apart, <laughs> you're standing out. You can't be holy and not stand out. You can't be holy and not set apart. There's a place of of moving. There's there's an edge that that causes us to be different. There's something about it. And they lost their edge. They they more conformed to the way that the world was going. Well, let's, let's, let's tame it down. You know, the world doesn't mind. Pastor Tim shared this yesterday. The world doesn't mind you talking about God. But you say Jesus, it divides things. It makes a difference. The moment you say Jesus, they lost their edge. Oh, that we wouldn't lose an edge just to be acceptable, just to be liked, just just to be welcome because only the gospel of Jesus Christ will transform and change lives. It is the power of God to salvation. It is mighty and able to tear down strongholds. It is able to accomplish work. It can remove the lie and the deception of the enemy. Nothing else can do it. Don't lose your edge. When I say don't lose your edge, don't become arrogant and a bully. It's not the edge that needs a microphone or needs a bullhorn or needs to yell and needs to scream. I don't know why preachers do that. It's not needed. How many know our lives become the vessel that we, we live on edge to be where we just, we step into places and we see an opportunity and we see someone who's broken and they're talking about how they're trying to get their life back together and they're going through therapy, they're going through stuff and all that's good and you step out on the edge and you say, man, that's so good. I'm glad you're going to therapy. That'll help you for a moment but I really want to encourage you to find what will help you for eternity and stepping out on the edge and bringing in, stepping in a new place and introducing and presenting who is Jesus Christ, that Jesus didn't just come that we would have a better life, he came that we would have life because there is no life outside of Jesus Christ. That life that he's made possible, they, they lost their edge. When we come into contact with the presence of God, we become changed. And being changed is the display of God's glory. 
Do you know how I see the glory of God? I see the glory of God because I see this room. This, I see the glory of God everywhere I go. But here's where I see the glory of God this morning. Because there are people sitting in this room, and I know your story. And I know you're here only by the grace of God. I know where you've been. I, I know your story. And you know what the glory of God is? How God has changed your life, restored your marriage, healed your body, brought you to a place of, of, convi- of conviction and change. He's done a work in you. I see the glory of God because you surrendered your life and said yes to him. And you walked in the path that he has. And now the glory of the Lord is being displayed on your life. You stepped into a new place. But can I say to you, there's still more that God has. That we, would, that we would step, not losing our edge, that we would display the glory of God. The writer, he addresses some issues that have contributed to them being dull. And I, I want to just give you some of these things today that we can look at the, the issues that he points out. But I want to look at that today as a challenge. And uh, how many would say, God, let us, let us have an edge. Let us have an edge that we would advance the kingdom, that we would move on. Touch, touch your neighbor beside you and tell him, move on. Move on. Don't tell them move over. You already did that. Tell them move on. Move on. All right. If you're taking notes, the title of this is Made with an Edge. The fire of God, he sharpens us, puts an edge on us. Here's, here's point number one. If you're going to develop beyond uh, where you are, if we're going to develop with an edge, number one, we need to develop beyond being a baby. Somebody say amen to that. Listen what he says. The, the writer says this. He says, you are like babies who need milk and cannot eat solid food. You realize it can be an offense to call somebody a baby unless they are appropriately of the age of being a baby. The only people who like being called babies are the babies who don't realize they're being called babies. Even a two-year-old. Have you seen the two-year-olds that run around in their diaper with a nookie and declaring they're not a baby? I'm not a baby. I'm not, right? I mean, even a even a two-year-old in his diaper with a nookie is declaring, I'm not a baby. I'm not. Why? Because it's in us to, to, to grow, to advance. God put that within us, and he desi- put that desire in us. Everything healthy grows. How's your spiritual life? Everything healthy advances and, and reproduces and moves forward. There, there is this desire. We, we become born with this desire. There's not a problem being a baby. In fact, being a baby is so appropriate. It's how you begin. If you're a baby here today, and by baby, I'm not calling you out. I'm just saying, if you're new in your walk with Jesus, congratulations. We welcome you. We celebrate with you. You're in an infant stage in your walk with Christ. That's where you begin. But my hope and prayer is 10 years down the road, you're not in the same place you were. I heard a preacher say one time, or, or a, a, a story of a gentleman, uh, he was friends uh, in, in a church together, and, and they were talking, and, and the, the one guy said they, they, they knew each other from church, and, and he said, yeah, I've been following Jesus for 10 years. And he's close to his brother, and uh, he's getting closer to him. He said, well, he said, I don't know if you've been serving Jesus for 10 years, or if it's only been two years times five. I've been serving Jesus for 10 years, and he made the statement, he said, because the fruit I see in you and where you are doesn't look like 10 years. It looks like you stopped at year two and plateaued. Looks like you came to this point and you lost your edge. You lost that, that, that edge of advancing, of, of, of moving, that, that we move beyond the infancy. We realize this, that when we're a baby, 
We don't have the ability to, to digest solid food. And so the baby is satisfied by milk that quickly passes and quickly satisfies the stomach. It is necessary. It's good. There's nothing wrong with the milk. There's nothing wrong with milk. It's just that milk is meant to strengthen and produce bones that grow and things that develop so that they can advance and now not only have milk but have solid food. Not just to live on the milk but to develop into a place of having solid food. That there is a development that takes place. And when we allow ourselves to develop, we get to a place where milk is good but we know there's more. You see, a baby is okay with the milk because the baby has not developed the ability to know flavors. Have you seen some of the stuff babies eat? I mean, their taste buds are not developed like ours. Like, okay, confession. It's past done, so no one can do anything about this. Jalen was two years old. She handed me a bottle and said she wanted ketchup. It was hot sauce. So I gave her a little dab. I don't know if she still likes hot sauce to this day. That was not a proud parenting moment, by the way. Uh, Jody let me know about that, and so that was never done again. And uh, she survived. My, my, my point is, you're not ready for the hot sauce when you're an infant because you haven't developed your senses. You see, the, the, the babies haven't developed the senses to even know the flavors, to even know what, what it is that, that tastes good. They're satisfied just by getting their stomach filled. But then it goes from just getting your stomach filled and being good to being at a place of wanting to grow and to develop into more that God has. That what makes a baby a baby? Here's the baby stage. The baby stage is that you just haven't developed your spiritual senses. You haven't developed your spiritual senses. You, you, you haven't made sense of, of, of everything yet. There's, there's a stage for this, and it's, it's appropriate that this baby is in a development stage. Have you, have you seen a child that is developing their vision and their focus? Have you seen a child, and, and times, I don't know if your kids did this, but you hold something in front of the child, and they're trying to adjust at what just came in front of them, and their eyes are going all buggy and big eyes. How many know what I'm talking about? They're developing, they haven't, they, they haven't developed their, their senses yet. Their vision isn't fully developed. My favorite is when they find their hand, and they just stare at their hand like it's something out of the sky. And what, what, what is all of that? They're, they're developing. They're developing their senses. But how many know the moment they develop their senses, they start moving and coordination takes place and they start advancing. They start walking and then they start, the moment they start walking and then you, you get to that stage and you're like, oh, I can't wait till they can walk. And then you're like, oh, I wish they wouldn't walk. Right? It's that, that whole thing of, you know, wait, slow down and they develop the ability. Here's the question. Are you developing your spiritual senses? Or are you stuck in the same place that you've been? Are you developing your spiritual senses? Here's some questions. Have you tasted and seen that the Lord is good? Have you tasted and seen that his goodness, that it, his goodness remains even when it's not all good, you still know the goodness of God remains? Have you developed your senses to know that you taste of the goodness of God? Have you developed your senses to hear? Are you hearing what the Spirit says to the church? Do you have ears to hear? And are you sensing what God is saying? Are your eyes open to all that, 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 that he may have? Are you opening your eyes to all the wondrous things that God has from his word? Are you developing your senses by putting 
putting this into practice. How do you develop your senses? The Bible says here, by practicing, by using, by putting into place. It's a training to develop by reading the word, getting an opportunity to grow. Are we developing our spiritual senses? Because when we develop our senses, it gives us the ability to have knowledge and discernment of what is right and wrong. It gives us the ability to know what is right and to know what is wrong. How do you know babies haven't developed this? Because you have to make sure they don't find anything on the floor. Why? Because whatever they find on the floor, they put it in their mouth. They don't discern. Should I eat this or not? No, let me try it. They haven't developed their senses, but when you develop the senses, you're able to walk in in a discernment and an ability to know God's word and to sense his presence and to know not just what is morally right and good, that's something to develop in, but also to know what is scripturally right and what is scripturally sound, to know the word of God, to know it and to divide it properly, to grow in the word of God, to allow so that you can have the senses to know that when somebody is just talking about religion and you know the difference no it's not about religion it's having a relationship with Jesus Christ you're able to know it's not about just going to church it's having a relationship with the one who is the head of the church you're able to discern and your senses are built beyond just well I went to church everything's good I'm a good person there's a lot of good people who are going to die and miss heaven and that sounds harsh but the reason it's not is because God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. That he has made this possible. Are we developing our senses? Here's number two. We develop beyond the basics. We develop beyond the basics. The basics are necessary. They're a starting point, but at some point we need to develop beyond the starting point. If you start the race and all you've done is stand at the starting line. How many know it's kind of hard to wear the I ran the marathon shirt? You stood at the starting line. You're, you're at the starting point, but there is this process. You can know the alphabet, and, and, and children at an early age know the alphabet, and they know the, the letters as best they can. But how many know if all you know is, are the letters, but you've not learned how to put those letters together, you've missed the power of making words? If all you have is the alphabet, you've missed the power of making words. But we celebrate when babies learn the alphabet or they learn the melody. And we even let them go with Elemena. We don't even know what Elemena is, but Elemena P. We don't even know what that is, but we congratulate them because they know their alphabet. And they're in a developmental stage. They're learning and they're processing and they're learning. But how many know you get to a point that you don't just know your alphabet? Heaven forbid if we, count, if we try to have communication by just saying our alphabet. And spelling out letters and do, no, we've learned the power of words. And how many know words are powerful? That the ability that we can take letters that we know the alphabet, but now we've done something with the letters. We have something as a starting point. Here's the, here's the danger that you can have a form of godliness, but deny the power. You can know what it takes to be saved, but not put it into practice and experience the power of being saved. You can know, you can know your alphabets, but not know how to make up any words. Not, not know how to communicate, but when you put those words to action, it gives power of communication. The same is with the gospel. It is the, the basics of the gospel are fundamental, but when we put them into practice, it becomes power that transforms our lives and causes us to live on edge. 
that we put those things into practice. Here's what verse 1, the end of verse 1, he says this. These are the fundamentals that he acknowledges. He says, surely we don't need to start again with the fundamental importance of repenting from evil deeds and placing our faith in God. You don't need further instruction about baptisms, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and the eternal judgment. He's acknowledging that these are, that these are things that they are fundamentals, they're basics. These are things that we need to know. And when you know these things, it ought to be things that we put to work and now it develops something more in us. Let me just break these down. These six things that are mentioned, we could put the first two together, but even if we kept them separate, it says this, repentance from sin. That is the drawing of Holy Spirit, that the Spirit of God leads us to salvation, leads us to repentance. It is sensing the Spirit's drawing. Faith in God represents salvation. You are not saved except by having faith in Jesus Christ. If we understand that, so now we have, we, we have the Spirit's drawing us, we have the salvation and baptism which is plural, connected to the fact that there is baptism that is representing cleansing, which is next Sunday we're going to celebrate. Come ready to celebrate on Baptism Sunday. And if you've not been baptized, go online, sign up, and we're throwing a party. Every Sunday it's Baptism Sunday. We throw a party and we celebrate lives being transformed by the power of Jesus Christ. And we celebrate lives being transformed, but it's also the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which is the empowerment, the, the power of God that's in us. Then you have the laying on of hands. The laying on of hands is connected with healing, but it's also connected to being commissioned, to have a call. God has put a call on your life. He has purpose for your life. He has a calling in your life. You not, might not be called to stand up here at the microphone, and that's all right, but you're called to be a voice in your family, in your workplace, to declare in, in the community you live in, to be on edge and to present and share the hope of Jesus Christ. He says the resurrection of the dead. How many know because of the resurrection of the dead, we have hope? Hope in Jesus Christ. It is our hope. It is the, the hope that we have in Christ. And then he says eternal judgment. Eternal judgment for us connects with rewards because we are in Christ. Now those who are not in Christ, it's a day of punishment. Pastor Tim said yesterday that the fire, that there were firefighters to snatch people out of the fire of hell and that the fire has two things. It'll purify you on this side or it'll punish you on the other side. But when we walk in the purifying fire of God that it cleanses us and it becomes uh, this recognition that for us, because of Christ in us, our eternal judgment, we get rewards. That we get the reward that he comes with his rewards, that God is, has rewards for us in that final judgment. Now, if you don't know Jesus Christ, there is punishment. There is every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But when that day happens, it'll be too late. When that day happens, it'll, it'll be too late, but this is our opportunity to present the hope of Jesus Christ. So let me just point out what these six things give us. They give us the Spirit's leading. They give us salvation. They give us cleansing and empowerment. They give us the call of God. They give us hope, and they give us rewards. Let me ask you, what are you doing with what God gave you? What are you doing with the hope that God put in your heart? What are you doing with the promise of rewards? What are you doing with salvation? What are you doing with the baptism, the, the work of God that cleanses and the empowerment? What is it? What are we doing with what God has given us? There's resources to build with. We don't abandon the fundamentals. We don't move on from the fundamentals. We build up with the fundamentals. It's like a pad that is set for construction. 
You can see some of those around town that they even have the, si- the site that, and, and the, the sign that says it's ready to build. It's already been leveled. It's got the sewage. It's got the water. It's got everything there. It just needs now to be built on. This is the foundation. It's there. God has given us everything we need. He's made everything. He ran the sewer line. He ran the power lines. He ran everything. He gave us everything we need now to build and to allow a work of God to advance in our lives, to keep advancing. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says anyone who builds on that foundation, who is Jesus Christ, may use a variety of, of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. What I want to say to you today is God has given you the resources. Do something with them. Advance in what God has made made possible and allow the kingdom of God to advance in and through us. I like that the writer includes himself in this development. He says these words. He says, let us go on and become mature. He included himself. You know why that's significant? It's because he's saying, I'm the teacher, but even myself I'm including. There's still more to grow on. There's still more to develop in. There's still, there's still more to advance in. There's, there's still more to process or to progress in. The temptation for the Hebrew audience was to retreat to a safe common ground without addressing the offensive work on the cross and they lost their edge and the cross of Jesus Christ let me just tell you in our culture it makes for a nice necklace but it the cross really makes for some tense conversations because unless you deny yourself take up your cross unless you lay down everything Jesus said you cannot be called my disciple there is this sacrifice and, and surrendering and recognition, which we realize that's living edgy. I mean, let's be honest. It's some places it's edgy to say Jesus is the only way to heaven. How many know we need to be edgy? It, it can be on edge to, to make statements that are, that are so much, and we don't do it in arrogance. We don't do it in, 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 in our own agenda, but in, in the faithfulness, the promise of God. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says the message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. And if we know it is the power of God, then how many know it ought to have an impact in our life? It ought to transform. It ought to cause us to live with an edge, that we are at a place of advancing. When I say edge, what I mean is we keep stepping into the opportunities, the new places to advance the gospel, to advance the good news of Jesus Christ, that people who don't know would hear the love of Jesus, that people have never never seen or experienced, that we would step into those places, that we would be those carrying and advancing the kingdom of God. I believe, forgive me, not I believe, that's what God told us to be a part of. The kingdom of God is forcefully advancing and forceful men and women lay hold of it. Individuals who have an edge. They take hold of what God is doing on the earth. Here's the last thing. The last thing is to develop. We need to develop beyond the battles or the battle. We made a statement this week and uh, you heard it already that God is taking us from glory to glory. Yet too often we settle for going from issue to issue. Our relationship with God is oftentimes based on what we need him to do in our moments. Now, I'm grateful to know he's a God who will supply and meet all of my needs. 
But I don't want my relationship with him to be stuck in this pattern of just going from issue to issue. I want to walk in what he made possible on the edge to go from glory to glory. To go from one to new, to advance, to greater understanding. I want to move on in understanding. I want to move on in surrender. I want to move on in seeing the fullness of what God has and what God desires. The final verse of the text we read says this in verse 3. It says, and so God willing, we will move forward to further understanding. God willing, we'll move further. We'll move forward to further understanding. This statement of God willing is not, the writer's not saying, well, we'll see, you know. See if God will. Maybe he will, maybe he won't. This is not a statement of maybe God will or maybe God won't. This is a statement of the only way this will happen is by the will of God and because of God. I am dependent upon God. It's the same way as James tells us, don't say that you're going to go to this place or to that place, but rather to say if the Lord wills, that it's surrendered, that everything you are surrendered to God, and you say, God, you're the one who sets the order. I'm moving because your will says so. I'm completely dependent upon you, that my life that I have, I'm dependent upon on you. I'm waking up with this perspective. God, today, what do you want to do to get the glory? How can you get glory today in my workplace, in the areas that I'm in? God, how can you get the glory? And when I do that, I am depending on him. And therein is where the real battle lies. Because how many know our whole life is all about learning how to die to self and live in Christ? Every day, Every day is learning how to die to self and come alive in Christ. That we, we are learning how to depend on Jesus completely. And it's a process of getting to a place where I am complete in Christ. And when I'm complete in Christ, I can step out on the edge. And I step out on the edge because I know I lack nothing. I don't need anything because everything I have is in Christ. And because everything I have is in Christ, I'm not bound by fear. I'm not held back. I can live on edge. I can live and step into places even as uncomfortable as it might be to recognize and to declare and proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. I know sometimes it's on edge. I remember as a, a teenager in high school and they had see you at the pole and students were gathering at a flagpole to pray. I'm a new kid. I'm also the pastor's kid. So guess what is expected of the pastor's kid? To go to the flagpole and to pray at a school that I've never been to before. And I remember thinking this is not going to be good. I stepped out, I prayed at the flagpole and got in there and I'd been going to school, I was new there so this happened in September so I've been going for a couple weeks. Someone said, Lamer, what were you doing at the flagpole? Why were you holding hands with those people? That's weird. I mean, I mean don't, you look at that and you're like, what's going on there? I said, we were praying. He said, praying for what? I said, we're praying for our school, praying for teachers, we're praying for... I said, we're praying for, for students. We're just, we're praying for God to bless our school. He said, huh, that's cool. He said, uh, well, why do you pray? He opened up this whole door. We had a conversation. And in that moment, it was like the Holy Spirit, not like, it was the Holy Spirit just equipping. And I got to share Jesus with that friend or with that individual, that person. And it became that moment of God, help me to stay on edge. I, I remember, obviously, by the time I left the school, I was known as the choir boy. That was my name. Um, but I, I re remember the day that my, uh, uh, this girl sitting behind me in study hall handed me her schedule and said, hey, let's go out, pick a date. She's one of the hottest girls in school, and she wants to go out with choir boy. I'm like, hey, we'll go out for dinner. 
So I took her out to dinner. We have a conversation. She wants to know, why do you treat girls different than the other guys? Oh. Well, here I am. She's, you know, she's the, the prom queen. She's popular. She's all this. But I thought, well, I'm not going to string this along. I said, well, the reason I treat girls different than other guys is because I have a relationship with Jesus, and I believe Jesus changes it. I went into the whole thing, shared my relationship with Jesus Christ. She said, oh, wow. Can I go to youth group with you? Sure. So she came to youth group. She gave her heart to Jesus Christ in youth group. She went to a Pendel youth convention, got filled with the Holy Spirit. She went to Kent State. I went to Minnesota. We fell in love a thousand miles apart. She's my wife today, all because she said, you're different. You're different. Why, why do you? And here I thought I was being edgy, you know, because, hey, it's edgy. I'm, 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 a, I'm, I'm saving myself for marriage. I'm honoring God with my body. I don't treat girls like objects. I believe they're made in the image of God. I live different. I'm, I'm edgy. I'm stepping out. Oh, he, he don't believe in having sex. You, you get laughed at in the lunch, at the, at the lunch room and different things. I lived on edge. It was a place. But I wonder, where are the edgy people? Where's the edgy people like, you know what, it, I, I'm gonna, I might lose some friends over this. I might get ridiculed. Some people might say something. But where, where are the edgy people say, no, I want to advance the glory. I want to advance the kingdom of God. And let me say, it's not advancing the kingdom of God because of your perfect performance. It's advancing the kingdom of God because of your willing submission. Not because, I don't want you to hear that today. Because if your story is not my story, that's totally fine. Because it wasn't my dad's story either. I was the uh-oh baby because mom and dad weren't married and dad was an alcoholic but Jesus that was his story but guess what my story became a different story now I'm living on the edge you know why because we got to change some people's stories we got to change some stories and nothing changes unless somebody steps on the edge nothing changes unless somebody steps into places I don't know how far on the edge I can go here I love that. He said he'll catch me. Come on. Now you got long hair, and I don't know that that's like Jesus, because what does Jesus look like? Really? Who knows? But there's always a voice who says, I'll catch you. That's good. That's good. There's always a voice that says, I got you. Yeah, but it might, it might, it might hurt. It might cost. I got you. Church, I believe he's calling us to the edge. He's calling us to step into a new place. The word I felt for this weekend with refresh was mount up. I heard the Lord say mount up. It's time to mount up. And there's some people today that you know you feel it in your spirit. And the Holy Spirit's saying, he's already telling you. There's some people that God, you know that God's calling you to be a voice. That you've just become common and ordinary in your workplace. And God says, no, it's time to be a voice. You've just blended in with the crowd and you've just become not arrogant. Do not take a bullhorn to work. Do not send an all caps email, you're going to die if you don't know Jesus. No. Build, step into their world and sometimes get on edge to even say, hey, I know you're going to see a therapist and I'm glad that you're working on that and I'm praying for you, but I just want to encourage you. I want to I tell you about Jesus Hey, what about going on edge and maybe inviting someone to come to church with you? 
and then sitting with them, not just inviting them to church, but sitting with them at church, and then on February 5th, going with them to Faith DNA to walk with them, to grow in their walk with you. What if we went on edge and took other people to their edge? Because how many know what is your edge will take someone else to their edge? And when you take them to their edge, you take them out of brokenness, bondage, disappointment, failure, addiction, that it takes us to get on edge in order for them to get on edge. It takes leaders. It takes people going first. It takes people stepping out. I pray in Jesus' name that we would be a church on edge. And if this resonates with you and you're ready, would you just stand to your feet and say, God, I'm stepping on the edge. I'm, I'm, going, I'm on the edge. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna step, I wanna, I wanna live with an edge. I wanna live in the place of hearing. I want my senses to be developed. I wanna hear your voice. I wanna step in to what you've called. Listen, what's gonna be there? Fear. There's going to be times it's uncomfortable. But can I encourage you that we go from a place of being protective and become proactive. That we don't protect ourselves. Because how many know?